Hey, good morning, everybody, and I too want to extend a happy Mother's Day to all the women in the church. I'm a little biased. I think I'm married to the best mum in the world, and a testimony of that is the four wonderful boys that, that we have, and so um, happy Mother's Day. You are very special. I, I'm allowed to do that from the front <laughs> when you have the microphone. Probably get in trouble later, but that's all good. I'll deal with it then. Um, it is just such a, a pleasure to be up here on this day, on Mother's Day. Number one, because I think, uh, ladies, you're, you're amazing in terms of how you express um, God's love uh, to everybody and the special place that you have in that. I also love how you um, bring leadership, um, and I mean that bring leadership into that space as well and guide and lead other people into the presence of God. You are amazing and I pray with all I am that you know the joy of the Father over you today in who you are, exactly how you are. Um, you were created perfectly by him and he wants to come and meet with you today uh, that you would know that. No matter what you're feeling right now, that you would know that, know that deeply. Um, second part is, uh, in the Vineyard Church, if you are aware of a little bit of Vineyard history, in 1980, on Mother's Day, uh, the famous saying within the Vineyard, although it's not just ours, but it's just one that is of significance to us, was, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit was come, was spoken, and he literally did. He broke out across the um, Vineyard Church and the story and the story of your, your story in this church is still the testimony of those three words, Holy Spirit come. And so it is wonderful today to be up here. I personally consider it a, a real honour. I, I love this day. I, I love remembering this day. I love remembering the goodness of God and the promises of God over us as a people and as a movement and as the kingdom people of Jesus beyond even our church. That's part of our heart as well is that the Holy Spirit would just continue to break out across all of God's church in our midst and so um, I am really excited to be up here today and so stand by, look out. Um, I, <laughs> I love this day. Heaven comes to fight for me. We just sung those words. Heaven comes to fight for me. And today as we listen to, you listen to me speak, I want you to remember those words. Heaven comes to fight for me, for you. Think about it from your perspective. Nothing has been held back for you. God gave his only son. Heaven has come to fight for you. And God is richly wanting to pour out his presence among us and on us. That is his promise to each one of us. And that is his promise to us today of all days in the Vineyard Church that he wants to generously pour out his presence on us. Today, as we sing and now we sit, we're standing on holy ground. We are on holy ground as we meet here today, as collectively we come together as the people of Jesus. There is something very special about that and it is never ignored by God when his people come together to worship him. We may not always feel it, but my goodness, he loves it. He loves it more than we can understand or know. So today, 
We want to continue in that vein on our series on new beginnings. Hasn't it been just some rich and amazing teaching from Kirk and Nick and Tash and Jess and Nikki? Got them all? I think I got them all. I didn't forget anybody. If you have not listened to them, I encourage you to go back online and listen to the series. God has something he's wanting to do in us and with us. And it's not just a week-to-week thing. He has a plan across the broader. He has a bigger story. And a part of that bigger story is the series of new beginnings. So go and have a back and have a listen and look for the threads. Look for what he's doing and what he wants you to do and how he wants you to respond. And as we continue to chase God and receive all he has for us in this series, I want to present a message today. It's a little bit different for me, to be completely honest. And so I want to premise it by saying to you and asking you and pleading with you to go before Jesus with this word. Not for any other reason except for I want him glorified. And I want him to be rule and reign in our lives. I have no desire to have my own will passed on to you guys. So ask him about today's word and what is for you. Hold on to that. Um, it may have elements of prophecy, prophetic word about it, but it may also just turn out to be a word of knowledge for today. I'm okay with either, but I all, whatever is of Jesus, hold on to it. Whatever is of me, let it just fall away. That's my prayer today, that that would just fall away, because it's for his glory. Well, if nothing else, that's probably got your attention now, hasn't it? I've probably got you uh, on board with me, hopefully. But last week we spoke, um, how many of you, no, that's the wrong question, I'm not going to ask how many were here. Let's just go with it, and I'll just give a little recap. Kirk spoke last week, very passionately, about some of our history of this building, about God providing miraculously for this building. And if you were here, do you remember he talked about the old car? Uh, not, was it a Holden? Yeah, it was a Holden. Good. I don't want to offend anybody if I said it was a Ford. Um, a Holden was in this room on a consistent basis. And it was a tangible sign of the promise of God of what he was doing and the, the prophetic word he was speaking to people about what he wanted to do in gifting this building to his people of Pine Rivers Vineyard and for the, for the greater region of Pine Rivers, that he had a plan. Through that, through that promise. Um, and I, look, I wasn't here at that time, to be honest, when that was all happening, but I was caught in the story. I was really wrapped up in the story. And, and, and I could see in many of you, I kind of glanced around just to see as Kirk was speaking at that time, and I could hear these little murmurs, these little, oh, yeah, oh, I remember that time was happening. And there was nods, the physical body was going, and people were wriggling a little in their seats, and, and you could just see the smiles of joy on people's faces as they recalled that story and God's faithfulness and goodness to us to give us that, that, this building. I believe, and hearts, hearts were exploding with joy at the sense of what God had done in our midst. And I don't know if you're aware, but I'm going to tell you right now, God released some life back into a lot of people as that story was told last week. I could see it happening across the building and in many of you. He, you remembered the goodness of God and you came alive. And what happened at the end of the service was hearts were stirred to see more of the kingdom come. And they were pointed to Bren. I watched up here. It was just amazing and awe-inspiring to see so many people coming forward. But also the passion and the desire and the grit and the grunt just to go, no, God, this is not right, and to call for the kingdom to come. 
I believe that was in part because you remembered the goodness and faithfulness of God and he made us come alive again. You can clap that. If you want to clap God, clap that because he is good. I believe this morning the Spirit wants to continue in that vein and release more life to us today. And so what I want to do today is look at a passage of Scripture because the Bible still speaks to us today and our circumstances, as, as crazy as they are right now, I believe that the Bible has, there are passages that relate to us so intricately and we can learn and we can hear from God and we can hear from the people of God and what he did through them and learn from that and grow from that and see more life. Um, stirred in us this morning. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Isaiah 52? Yeah, the Old Testament and the prophets. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to that. I'm going to today um, read from the message version because it's a little helpful. It's a little more plain language. The, the prophets are sometimes challenging uh, to read let's be honest they they have all these different components going on in them and so we we read them and we're like oh I don't know really what's going on there what are you saying God and then all of a sudden this massively inspiring part like this little passage that we grab a hold of and we always quote comes along and then it's back into this weird stuff and I don't why is he saying that what's he why are they doing that what what's going on there what do they mean by that I don't understand that language and all this stuff goes through our minds as we read through the prophets the message is a great way to have, it speaks in a, a little more plain language. I often read the message and the NIV together if I get stuck on a passage. I find it very helpful to be able to get a bit more understanding of what might be going on in that scripture. But to help you out today, I want to just give you a little bit of background into Isaiah very quickly so that then we can then understand what's happening at chapter 52. Isaiah is a book, a very big book, and the biggest um, prophet, biggest book of the prophets in the Old Testament. It's split into two parts to make it easier. The first part is one to th chapters 1 to 39, and that's really centered about God's judgment on Israel. Haven't met the mark, haven't kept um, God's way of living and what he's asked them to do, continually turned away and done their own thing on an ongoing basis, and haven't done the things that the simple thing, even some of the simple things that God asked to do they didn't do and then exile comes to Israel so think about it from that perspective 1 to 39 is about it's coming it's coming bang done exile for Israel chapters 40 through to 66 are then about um, the are centered around the theme of hope of hope that God is coming back God has come back and he's going to restore you Israel out of exile and so um, then there becomes all those questions, well, who wrote it and all those kind of things. And for, for you theological nuts out there, I think there's a couple of ways you could look at it. It was either Isaiah, um, 1 to 39 was probably him, and he, and he jumped, had a vision or something along those lines and wrote the rest of the book later on, or his disciples more than likely picked it up and, and took his teachings to then give us 40 to 66. So that's why sometimes it's a little bit tricky to read. How can this guy be writing about this judgment time but then also about this time of restoration and hope? It's a bit hard. So, so look at it in that way. It probably wasn't Isaiah that wrote that second part. But either way, what has happened is Israel's not followed God's ways. They have gone into exile. Assyria first come and just 
obliterate them, and then Babylon do even worse. Babylon come and conquer all of Israel, and they had a method of conquering people in a way that was um, smart, if you want to be a domineering um, tyrant, you know. Um, so basically, they took all the smart people. Now, I don't mean that in a derogatory term. What I mean, the learned people, those that held on to culture, position, title, they grabbed all of those people when they conquered a nation and they took them to Babylon and they assimilated them into their own culture. Now, there's a word for today, right? Thinking about that. Assimilated them into their own culture and their own ways. And that way they didn't have as much unrest in their empire because the, the, the blue-collared workers didn't have the ability or power or the knowledge or the learning like we do today to be able to rise up and to, to overthrow the Babylonian um, empire. The Romans did it a little bit differently. They went, that doesn't work. It creates too much unrest. They went, let's leave the people alone in their own area. Or they, don't hear me saying Rome was better. They were not. Um, Rome said, let's leave them all there as long as they follow our ways, we won't come and obliterate everything that exists in their land, um, which is what they did to Israel down to the second last stone of the temple because that's all that exists now to this day. Those two bottom layers of rock are all that is left of the second temple when Rome came through and literally levelled um, Israel. Good, con Got the context? Sweet. That is where Isaiah is up to. Let's have a quick read then of Isaiah 52. And we're going to go down to what would effectively would be verse 12. Wake up. Wake up. Pull on your boots, Zion. Dress up in your Sunday best, Jerusalem, holy city. Those who want no part of God have been culled out. They won't be coming along. Brush off the dust and get to your feet, captive Jerusalem. Throw off your chains, captive daughter of Zion. God says, you were sold for nothing. You are being bought back for nothing. Again, the master God says, early on, my people went to Egypt and lived, strangers in the land. At the other end, Assyria oppressed them. And now, what have I here? God's decree, my people are hauled off again for no reason at all, tyrants on the warpath, whooping it up, and day after day, incessantly, my reputation blackened. Now it's time that my people know who I am, what I'm made of, yes, that I have something to say, here I am. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger bringing good news breaking the news that all's well, proclaiming good times, announcing salvation, telling Zion, your God reigns. Voices, listen, your scouts are shouting, thunderclap shouts, shouting in joyful unison. They see with their own eyes God coming back to Zion. Break into song, boom it out, ruins of Jerusalem. God has comforted his people. He's redeemed Jerusalem. God has rolled up his sleeves. All the nations can see his holy, muscled arm. Everyone from one end of the earth to the other sees him at work doing his salvation. Wow. There's a good pump-up message, isn't there, from, from God to the people of Israel. You know... Um, the thing to keep in mind about this passage is that 
well, for us in this day is that we uh, might not be today in exile like Israel was and conquered by, by another nation, but I do think we can really relate to what Israel was going through. Let me use the analogy of the building we just talked about, that thing that gave us so much excitement as Kirk told the story last week. I think there was an element of excitement in remembering God's promise because this building is a part of his inheritance to us as a people. You need to hear that. This is a gift of God, this building that we, we meet in. I think sometimes we can take that to, for a little bit for granted in our society in terms of how we can go about things. But having this place is an amazing, amazing gift from God. And it's a deep part of his promise of inheritance in this region to us. And in about March 2020 last year, we lost it. We lost the ability for each of us to come into this room and to actually meet together as God's people. The, in, for Israel, the reason why it was so bad that they got taken out of exile is because Jerusalem, or in this passage you would hear Zion. Zion was the place of God's dwelling. That's where his presence was. What is so amazing about today, and I just love reflecting on this time after time, that same presence that was in one place because of Jesus has now come to dwell in each and every person that would choose to allow him to come in. The same presence that was in one single place in proximity in, in Jerusalem is now living in each and every one of you. That is a staggering thought. That is a staggering thought. So we lost a part of, we, I, whether we realize it or not, part of your grief was probably because we're deeply connected to the promises of God in this building. It's not about religion in this building, it's just about who he is. It's about the promise that he made to us of what he's going to do in and through this building that connects us to it. And when we were separated from it, there is a sense of exile. Not that we did anything wrong. It's just the circumstances meant we were not in that same place of that promise, that we were moved away from it. And that's why I think that story grabbed us so hard last week because it actually was, yeah, we're back in the promise. We're back in the place of part of the promise of God. And then as it, um, Isaiah continues to speak on in that passage, put on your Sunday best. Well, we all experienced that, I think. How many of come on, fess up, who did Jami Church, Pajama Church for the last... I was in track seats, come on, let's be honest, sitting at the couch, breakfast in here. I can't believe it. There's like six people in this room that did Jami Church. That's just, that is not... Sorry, hun? And not admitting to it. Okay, all right. But put on your Sunday best. It's like, get ready. There's a celebration. Your Sunday best. Get yourself ready. There's something really good about to happen here and about to be released to you, Israel. Shake off the dust from your shoes. Oh, come, how many of us have felt like, like I'm, re I, I'm just done with this season. I'm ready to shake the dust off my shoes. The, the things I haven't been, what that means is the things I haven't been able to do for so long, I want to do them again. I want to remember. I want to move. I want to get going. I, is anybody else feeling like that in, your, in the terms of the things of the kingdom? 
Okay, six people. Awesome. You're going to be in a prayer team at the end. <laughs> All right. And you can release that to everybody else. Want to shake the dust off and get moving again. And God says it's time, Israel. It's time to shake the dust off and get moving. Get yourselves ready because I'm coming. It's time for people. I've got to read that part of the passage again. This is the part where I start to lose my notes, but it's all good. We'll get there. Um, Now it's time that my people know who I am, what I'm made of. What I'm made of. What's God made of to you? Yes, that I have something to say. Here I am. That is a powerful declaration to each and every one of us today. And I believe the Lord is saying that to us today. Here I am. I have something to say. I'm ready to move again. I'm ready to move again. I'm ready to move again. But first, but first, we need to wake up. Wake up. It's time to wake up, says the Lord. And I'm not saying that and I'm not belting that because we're not waking up. I'm saying it because I think there's things of the kingdom that God wants to restore to you today. Things that you used to do pre-COVID. Things that he wants to now get you. It's not that you haven't loved him. It's not that you haven't sought him. It's nothing of that. It's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the things of the kingdom that we were doing that we haven't been able to. He wants to restore to you again. Again, he wants you to shake the dust off, get it off your feet and begin moving again with him to let your hearts be stirred that he would say, here I am. What would God say to 2021 COVID post pre or moving through whatever we're doing, wherever, I don't care where it is because my focus is on the Lord. I don't deny what we're going through, but I know my God is bigger than our circumstances And I know he wants his voice to be louder than the circumstances that we have around us, that we would move through them with him and his power and his love because he has something to say to you and to other people. And if that is not enough for you, then he says in that passage, I've rolled my sleeves up. That is such a powerful image. I've God, the creator of heaven and earth, says I'm at work, I'm ready to go. My sleeves are rolled up. I'm ready to go. And what would he say to us? I believe that he would say, and if the prophets of this day, well, they might be, I haven't read them, but I believe it would be something like he says to Israel there, at first it was Egypt, then at the book, other end of the bookend, it was Assyria, and now who's before me? In other words, he's saying it's Babylon. Who is this people? He's bookending. He's saying from the point of where people, my people were oppressed, right at that very beginning, when somebody tried to grab my people and oppress them, I conquered and I won. Right through to now, and where you are right now, Israel, I conquer, I will conquer, and I'm overcoming. You are coming out of exile. I am 
bigger than any exile. I'm bigger than any circumstance. And I think God would say to us, what is this COVID before me? What is this disease before me that would try and hinder my people? Israel were brought into captivity and exile. We were brought into isolation and fear through this last year. And God would say, what is this disease before me? What is this isolation and fear that would attack my people and say you are disconnected? The, the thing that I spoke into and created into the world that was about connection, connection to me and connection to each other. What is this thing that would try and rob me and rob my people of this experience? And God would say to us today, I am here and I have something to say about that. Shake off the dust. I am ready to move with you. Shake off the dust. I believe the Holy Spirit is stirring us to awaken again. Saw it last week. Seen it in worship. It is happening time and time again in our midst. The Spirit is stirring In verses 7 to 10, just really quickly, God says, and this is a really powerful message, in verses 7 to 10, proclaim the good news. All is well. Your God reigns. That people are going to see with their own eyes that God's coming back into Israel. Again, that promise of where his presence dwells. God's saying, I'm coming back to dwell with my people. And I believe that God on this day wants to release to us that we again would be those people of good news. That we would be those messengers that say good news. God is here. God is near. God is working. And God wants to show you how much he loves you. How does that happen? It happens through his son. And I must, I must do this this morning. I'm going to give you some homework. You need to read the back end of 52 and the rest of chapter 53. The great passages that talk about the coming king, Jesus, the suffering servant. So God says, I'm coming, I'm here, and I have something to say. What does he have to say? We look at Jesus. The and we live in the fulfillment now of the promise. And it is ours to take and to run with and to go forward with God. Again, I remind you, God has rolled up his sleeves. He has said, I'm ready, I'm here, and I want to move in your midst. And I don't want this morning, like, I'm not trying to lean on the fact that in our heritage it's Mother's Day. I've, I've been thinking about this word for quite some time. I didn't ask to speak this day. Kirk put me on this day. And prior to even being put on the, the preaching roster, this has been stirring in me for quite some time. So this isn't a, I'm not saying because it's Vineyard's Heritage Day that I'm saying this to you today. I'm saying it because I believe God wants to talk to you about having his Holy Spirit come afresh on each one who would want that today. And that's the key with God, and it always has been. He's so gentle, and he's so loving to each one of us through his son, Jesus. All that judgment we talked about in Saul in Isaiah, it was all placed on Jesus. 
And it was done on the cross. And when he rose to life again, that freedom we have now to experience and be in relationship with God is for each and every one of us who would take it and choose it. He is here to meet with you if you want to meet with him. He is here to fill you with his Holy Spirit and to come and to love you more than you can know or understand. But he asks you, will you shake the dust off? Will you shake the dust off your feet? Will you put on your Sunday best and get ready? Because I have something to say to you and to other people around you. And I want to meet with you today that you would know that. I want to fill you again. I want you to remember. And that's part of the key is remember. When we forget, that's Israel's story. When they forgot the goodness of God, they fell away. When they consistently remembered and remembered and thanked God and praised him, that passage talks about when you carry the, uh, the, the vessels, I think, of God or something that says like that. Basically, it's about worship. That's what it's talking about. So you, when you worship, remember, praise God. When you are uh, living your life, remember the things he has done in your life. It will, it's not because you need to then look back. In that passage, he says, don't look back. Go. Go forward. But know that I have your back. And he says, you don't have to hurry in that passage. Because in the exile, the original exile, he's calling again for the Israel to, he says, remember, you had to hurry. Israel had to hurry out of Egypt. They, they, hundreds of thousands of people taking plunder. It's like all in a night. They had, to, they had to mobilize and get out. And God says, not this time. Not this time. Don't look back. It's not the same way. But I'm get, my, my victory is going to be the same. Who I am is going to be the same. What I'm doing on this earth is the same. I'm restoring people. The way I go about it is going to be different. So don't look back. Move forward. And know that I've got your back. I've got your back as you go forward.